Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Chapter number 20, and we're going to begin at verse number 11. Amen. Please don't let the location of the text scare you or set the mood too much where you think, you know, this revelation, I was telling somebody last night, I said, uh, it's the most misunderstood book in the Bible because people want to read the parts they think are scary. The first verse and the first few words tell you exactly what it is, a revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, it's one of the most exciting books that there is, amen, because you find out that the fight is already won, amen, amen. But Revelations chapter number 20 and beginning at verse number 11, John says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Everybody say the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to to their works. I'm going to tell you something. We're all going to stand before God one day. And there's going to be a book of life. And if our name is not found written in there, it doesn't matter how much we went to church or how good we were, our name must be written in the Lamb's book of life. And then it says we'll be judged according to their works. Amen. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. We have gotten away from in these last few decades, especially the last two, a realization that not everybody's going to heaven. We live in such a pop psychologist church world they tried to infuse Oprah with the gospel. New ageism thinking with the Bible, and it doesn't work. We've got to get back to the Bible. You hear Christians say, well, I believe in God, but I believe he's a loving God and wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, you're half correct. He's a loving God, and he doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go to hell just like you choose to go to heaven. And, and, and I know it's not popular to talk about. But the Bible said we must preach and warn them of the things which are to come. 
Say, well, pastor, I'm saved. Even us saved folks need to affirm our decision and our commitment to are we going to be saved. There's nothing in this world worth missing heaven over. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is in this place. And I pray that you would touch every heart and strengthen every person today, Lord. I'm asking you, the Lord, to open our understanding. I'm asking you today, God, to let your spirit move into this house without reservation, without fear or favor, God. I'm asking you today, would you make the, re the e realization of eternity real to each and every one of us, God? Lord, I pray that before we leave, somebody comes to the throne of your grace and makes their calling and election sure. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen. Would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise again this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Life, life is a series of of tests. The moment we die, our days of sharing Jesus with others is over. And the testing of that faith is over as well. This world that we live in, that we visualize right now, is not the finality of the matter. We are living in a temporal world. Heaven and earth shall pass away. They're going to pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Amen. You are living in a temporal house of clay. That's all we are. We are clay. From the dust of the earth we came, and to the dust of the earth we shall return. Hallelujah. We're made of body, soul, and spirit. Three parts, Jesus said. Only one of those is temporal. Amen. This house of clay we have on this life, that's it. But isn't it amazing? We spend 99% of our time on the 1% that's temporal. Or on the one-third that's temporal. When two-thirds of us is going to live forever. It's important that we focus on that part that would live forever to make sure it's right with God. Well, Pastor, I, I want you to preach me happy. Well, if you're saved, you'll be happy. Amen. Jesus said, fear not the one who can destroy the body, but fear the one that can destroy both the body and the soul. Because this body can be broken down, and if we live long enough, eventually it will get broken down. But the soul of a man shall never die and live forever. And we've got to make sure that we've made our calling and election absolute in living for God. When we were in school, we all had to take exams. Do you remember taking exams? Call them what you want, quizzes, tests finals, exams, pop quiz, whatever it was. We all took tests. Some were really big. Some tests were very stressful. And some were time tests. Amen. 
but you had a certain amount of time to which you were to take your test. And when the time had expired, you were supposed to put your pencil down. Amen. Because whether you were done or not, the test was over. Whether you had finished it or not, it was over. When that buzzer sounded, I, I can still see that little white uh, thing that sat on the teacher's desk and it click, 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 it wind around to 15 minutes and you could hear that tick, 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 tick. Y'all remember that tick, 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 tick. And, and that tick, amen, it, it was like the pounding of a drum that was telling you, you better get busy. You better get busy. This thing's eventually going to come to a head. You better make sure that you're doing the work because eventually you're going to have to put your pencil down, amen, and you are going to be judged or graded on the exam that you just took, amen. You're not going to get a second chance. That Once the buzzard sounds, the teacher's not going to wind it back an extra five minutes, amen, uh, to make sure that you did what you were supposed when to. When that buzzard sounded, when that, that dreaded eh sounded, it was over at that point. And the teacher would say, firmly, put your pencils down. Now it's over. All that you did over the last 30 minutes or two hours or 15 minutes, however long that test was, all that you had worked for, all the study or lack thereof, all of the preparation or lack thereof, you will find out whether you spent too much time playing video games or enough time in the book. You're about to find out. You can't lie about this. It will be revealed in the test. The proof is in the pudding. When that test is graded, it, it, we're going to find out right then. Did you have too much fun on Snapchat or were you in the book? Were you studying for that exam? And, and when it's graded, there's going to be no hiding. There's no equivocation to it. It's going to be, did you do? what you were supposed to do. Amen. If you studied, you've got you've got an element of confidence. You're a little nervous, but you've got an element of confidence. If you didn't study, amen, every tick of the timer is another butterfly released into your stomach because you know, you knew this test was coming. You knew you had to get ready for that test, but you chose otherwise, amen, than to prepare yourself. This morning, I want to preach to you on that thought, amen, that it is time. We are all going to face God, and you're going to have to put your pencil down and that's my thought this morning there is a test that is coming life is a timed test we don't wear a watch that tells us what time the test will be over we don't know how much time we have it could be 10 years it could be 10 minutes it could be 110 years but when our time is over we are going to be graded by how well we did in the test of life amen we're going to be graded on how well we did and the test of life. We don't know exactly when that's going to be because the Bible said that tomorrow is promised to no man. Behold, today is the day of salvation and now is the appointed time. You may think you've got your whole life ahead of you. You may think you've got another good 15, 20 years solid, another 45, 70 years solid. But what you don't realize is at the timer of eternity, 
reality is clicking every moment that you live. When you're sleeping, the timer does not pause. It keeps on clicking. When you're a child, it does not pause. It keeps on clicking. From the moment you breached your mother's womb and you breathed your first breath of life, you began the process of the fatal nature of humanity and you began to die the moment you were born into this earth because the timer of life began to tick. Remember the story of Lazarus and the beggar. He passed his test by faith and the rich man failed his test. When we die, we will be judged on what or whom we have believed in and put our trust in. Amen. If you put your trust in friends, you're going to fail that test. If you put your trust in man, you're going to fail that test. If you put that trust in a job and financial security, you're going to fail that test. If you put your trust in religion, you're going to fail that test. You've got to put your trust in Jesus Christ and nothing less than his righteousness and the price he paid on Calvary. Because there's coming a day you're going to have to put your pencil down and be judged on that. Can you say amen? If you believe that, amen, believe and trust that Christ died on the cross by obeying Acts chapter 2 and 38, John chapter 3 verse 3, and John chapter 3 verse 5, and you follow God's word daily, amen, you can have confidence that you're going to live in paradise with God. If you reject Christ and his cross, you will be in torment for all of eternity, amen, and you will eventually spend an eternity in a lake of fire. This is called the judgment of faith. And there is also what is called the judgment of works. I know it's 2022 and you don't get this by your million dollar preacher on TV, but I'm gonna preach out of the word of God today. In short, your life will be reviewed and you will receive judgment based on what you did or did not do with your time here on earth. We have precious few days to make an impact in this life even if we live to be 200 years old because in the grand scheme of things, eternity is longer than a trillion of a trillion years. And the judgments of God will be eternal and they will be final. There is no reprieve. There is no accepted repentance in hell. It will always be what it is in that moment. Pastor, how long is eternity? Even if I could explain it, your mind could not comprehend it. Could not comprehend it. But just imagine that we had a solid steel ball that was larger than this whole building we're in, a large steel ball, and you took the feather of a bird and you would swipe it around the circumference of that solid metal ball when that feather eventually would wind and wear that steel ball down to a marble, you might get a glimpse of what eternity is going to be like. Because of it, there shall be no end. We never know when our life is going to be abruptly ended or when we will for the last time have to put our pencil down and be graded on the test that we have taken. Some people's test is 72 years. Some people's test, like Bishop Price, was 99 and a half years. Some tests, like the queen who just passed away, was 96 years. 
But I've seen some people have to put their test down at 25, their pencil down at 25. I've seen them tragically have to put their pencil down at 15. We never know when it's going to happen, but we must be prepared for the test. You don't know when the buzzard's going to sound. You don't know when the teacher is going to say, put your pencil down. But eventually, if the Lord should tarry his coming, if he should suspend the rapture of his church another hundred years, everyone in this room is going to put their pencil down at some time and we are going to face God. For those who are not saved or you have walked away from God, we give warning to them not because we're mean, but because we're loving. You send, you give warning to someone that you love. Amen. If you care for someone, you give them warning. I heard somebody say, I don't want to go to church and hear about hell and about how I'm not living right and all of that stuff. Listen, that's because God loves you. That's because the word of God is reaching for you and the grace of God is reaching for you. Amen. God doesn't do it out of hate, but my Bible tells me the Lord chasteneth those whom he loveth. In other words, if he loves you, he'll get after your hide. If he loves you, he will stalk you. He will get after you. He will follow you. He will do whatever it takes. But pastor, you don't understand. I just want to live my best life. Amen. Pastor, you don't understand. I just want to have fun. I don't want all those rules and those restrictions. And I don't want to, I've got friends and I've got this. And pastor, I want to enjoy life. Listen, I want to tell you something. You're taking an exam right now. You're taking a test right now. And whether you know it or not, it could end as abruptly as the screeching of tires or the blast of a stray bullet. And in a moment, it can all end. And you will have to put your pencil down and stand before God I know you may come to church every Sunday and every Tuesday and every prayer but if there is something in your heart that's not right with God you can look and act as holy as you want to but if something on the inside of you is not right with God there is going to be a moment that is going to come where God the final exam is going to be given and he says you've got to put your pencil down and answer for it and you're going to stand before God and say, but I prayed in your name. I worshiped in your name. I danced on Sunday. I ran the aisles. I spoke with tongues. And God's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. You've got to examine yourself. You've got to examine yourself because a test is coming. you're not saved or you're not sure about your salvation or you've walked away from God, we give you warning because we know what your eventual fate will be if you don't repent and turn back to Christ. Here is a statement that I want you to think about. It may shock some of you. The doctrine of hell actually glorifies God. They won't preach about hell in the mega churches. That's why they're mega churches. But they're not even churches. They're just gatherings. The gospel's never preached. The gospel's never preached. They preach part of it. Jesus loves you and died for your sins, and they stop right there. They never talk about, they never talk about the wages of sin or death. 
It's all about, I want to help you feel good so you can give me more money. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's going to be a lot of people going to stand before God on the exam and say, but I went to a church of 20,000. I watched their program three times a week, but the gospel was never preached, the totality of it. And it was never obeyed. We cannot begin to realize how repulsive our sins are in the sight of a righteous, a holy, sinless, almighty God. Sin, listen to me, sin angers God. God does not think sin is cute. I know I'm 40 years past when this sermon was acceptable in America. Sin is not cute to God. God does not look at sin and say, well, if you're having fun, I'm okay with it. God does not look at sin and say, well, if it makes you happy, I'm cool with it. Sin angers God. It repels God. And God's wrath is only held in check by the fact that Jesus Christ suffered and died on Calvary. Listen to what Romans says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 25. Paul says, but in accordance with our hardness of heart, we are storing up wrath against ourselves for the day of God's wrath. That is when his righteous judgment will be revealed. We are storing up judgment. We are storing up wrath with the hardness of our own heart. The wrath of God will be turned loose on this earth one day in the tribulation and at the great white throne judgment. And I am determined I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be around when God's wrath comes to the earth. The Bible declares for it is a fearful thing for sinners to fall in the hands of an angry God. Many want to say that God is a God of love and you are right, but you are only partially right because my Bible also says He's a God of truth. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of justice. And he's also a God of wrath. And hell is the place of exclusion for all those that are in offense to him. To everyone that offends the law of God and trespasses the word of God. Amen. There is, there is set for them a day when the wrath of God is going to be released upon this earth. Revelations chapter 21 and 22 tells that the, the heavens and of heavens and the new earth will glorify him by revealing both his love and his mercy. Listen to Revelations chapter 20. And verses 12 through 15. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Books 
plural, books, plural. The sea gave up the dead whose were, who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were all judged, each one according to his or her works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. At the great white throne judgment, God will judge each and every work done by the individual and eternity by giving them eternity in heaven or eternity in hell is going to be the absolute result. Remember that God knows what is in your heart. So quit living that bumper sticker lie that says God knows my heart. Your heart's not good. My heart's not good. There's nothing good in us save the grace of almighty God. Oh, I feel the presence of God here this morning. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the true intention of the heart. The Bible says this holy word is a sharp two-edged sword dividing even asunder the soul and the spirit. The Bible tells me God knows the thought and the intent of the heart. God knows your heart. Well, I've done for the poor, wonderful, but God knows your heart. I'm so tired of these wonderful, great humanitarians that can only do for people when they're doing this. You got your reward. But it made God happy. No, it repulsed God. Because you wanted to make sure you got the glory. God knows your heart. He knows our heart. He knows our heart. That ought to be a fearful thing. That ought to be a fearful thing that he knows our heart. Jeremiah 7 and 19 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The worst advice we give to young people is to follow their heart. Young people, don't ever follow your heart. I said, don't ever follow your heart. And that advice is usually given by somebody who's on their fourth marriage. Because they just followed their heart. Because they couldn't distinguish heart and hormones. You want to follow your heart, it's going to lead you to a place that is despiteful, desperately wicked. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's word. It'll never fail. It'll never fail. We are all born in sin and corrupt from the very beginning of our lives, according to Psalms 51 and 5. Isn't it amazing you never have to teach a child how to lie? You never have to teach a child how to be dishonest. You never have to teach a child to be jealous. You never have to teach a child to be rude or rebellious. Amen. But it is as natural to them as breathing air. You want to know why? Because we were all born into sin and we were all shaping into iniquity. That's why we all need Jesus. That's why we need the mercy of God through the cross of Calvary. 
Hear what I'm preaching to you this morning. I know it's old fashioned, but get on the edge of your seat and hear what I'm saying. God loves you, but God will not tolerate sin. There's a lot of misinformation about hell. I think I need to be the misinformation director here. We hear a lot of things like, I'll see you in hell. We'll throw a big party. No, you won't. And say, we're going to party like hell. You think hell's partying? You have no clue, Jack. You have no idea. You think you're going to be in hell with your friends? There's not, there's not going to be anything good. There's not going to be anything pleasurable that will be experienced in hell. There'll be no friends there. All those friends you party with and hang with and, and all of those people that you, you do what you know is not right in the sight of God with, they're not going to be there with you. They're not going to stand with you at the great white throne judgment. You're going to be standing by yourself in front of the book. And God is going to recall every idle word spoken. I'm going to tell you, we don't, we don't have enough of this preaching in the church anymore. We will all stand before God and that book will be open and God will recount everything you did in your life and judge accordingly. You're not going to have an attorney at your side to get you out on a legal loophole. There is going to be no appeal to the Supreme Court. God is the final an absolute word in all of it. That's it. God's going to speak it, and that's going to be it. And here's the thing. He's going to judge me just like he judges you, and he's going to judge you like he judges me. He's going to judge us according to his word. He's not going to ju judge us uh, according to the latest religious New York Times bestseller. He's not going to have Oprah helping him trying to figure this out. He's not going to have the, the snake oil salesman TV evangelist to help you. We're going to stand there by ourselves before God, and that book will be open and we will have to give an account for every action we did and for our heart. You won't be in hell, but you won't be in hell with your friends. You'll be in hell by yourself. The worst part of hell won't be the fire either. The fire that never quenches. That burns at you without stopping. The worm that dieth not that eats your flesh from the inside out. The eternal falling into a pit that doesn't have a bottom. Flames reaching and licking upward for all of eternity. And that won't even be the worst part. Oh, you'll hear the screams of other people in hell, but you'll never see them. Falling in everlasting darkness. The worst part of hell is not the physical torment. The worst part of hell is going to be my sermon this morning because you're going to have an instant recall memory.
and you will be able to remember everything in your life just like the rich man and Lazarus. You will remember every time in your life the word of God had been preached and you rejected it. You'll remember this sermon word for word. It will replay in your mind on repeat. Throughout the endless ages you're going to hear the voice of this pastor telling you that you've got to get right with God. You need to turn away from sin. Listen to me saying of God, I'm going to say it again. This is for all of us. I'm not going to go to hell because I had an unforgiving spirit. I don't want to be lost out with God because I had ought in my heart against somebody. I don't want to lose out with God because I didn't show mercy on those who had done me wrong. I want to be in eternity with God, not in eternity with hell. You don't want to go there. Oh, I know, I know. You think you've got time. You've got plenty of time, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm younger. I'm middle-aged. I'm, 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 you know, I've got to. Tick, 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 tick. And faster than you can blink your eye, you can be in eternity without God. You don't, you don't want to put your pencil down where you are in the test right now. Whatever you've heard of hell, it wasn't bad enough. Whatever you've heard of eternity without God, it is not scary enough. You don't want to be there. Because there's no getting out. There's nothing God can or will do. He will say, I gave you plenty of time. I warned you. When Jude wrote his epistle, though at one chapter long, he made a phrase that should stick in the heart of every believer. He said, and some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I pray that when I get to heaven, my spiritual arms have first degree burns on them from reaching into the flames of hell and pulling people out. Amen. When they were on their way to a devil's hell, when they were already surrendered their life to a life without Christ, I pray that somehow you and I are able to reach into their smoke-filled lives to feel the flames of hell licking around their feet, but they're enjoying their life so much that they can't even fathom submitting their life to God I pray somehow we are able like Jude to reach in the fire and save them and he said some saved by fear in other words every once in a while the preached word of God is supposed to put the fear of almighty God in us not every sermon is supposed to make us feel good not every sermon is supposed to make us run and dance but every once in a while the fear of the righteous judgment of God ought to get a hold of us and say Lord I don't ever want to be lost. I don't ever want to be in eternity without you. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. 
The truth is, the truth is, God has shown us great mercy by allowing the corruption of the world to go on this long. John 3.18 says, they who believe in him are not condemned, but they who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In other words, you've still got time. The seconds are still ticking on the timer. You've got time right now to make things right with God. Thanks be unto God, those of us who were born again, those of us who are believers, our condemnation has been canceled by the cross. Our destination has been changed and paid for by the blood of Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And because of that, our sins have been blotted out. Paul said in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, Paul said, your sin, you're going to have to pay for, but if you'll ask God to forgive you, if you'll obey the gospel, he will take your sin and he will give you a gift of eternal life. Paul tells us that death does not actually mean death in the physical sins. He is saying that death means separation. And we would normally understand that to mean separation of the body from the soul when our time here on earth has come to an end. However, judgment at the great white throne judgment of God will be once and for all a separation of the lamb from the goats, the wheat from the chaff, the saved from the lost, the righteous from the unrighteous, people who serve God versus people who turned away. As Christians, we know that God is the fountainhead of all that is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. For each and good, every good thing we have in life, that source of it is from God. Every good thing is from God. That chocolate cake is a gift from God. Don't abuse it. That hug from a loved one, that is a gift from God, made by God. Basically, everything we have in life is, that is good. That source is God until it is perverted by Satan. It's important to know that there are two things you will not do in heaven. It is a given, of course, that there will be no sin in heaven and we will not die in heaven. We won't miss anyone in heaven that is in heaven because we will be with them anytime we want. We won't need to remember Jesus as in communion as we do when we take communion because we will be face to face with Jesus and we will be living among him in eternal communion. The second thing is simply this, once you go to heaven, your called duty to be a disciple on this earth and be a witness to the unsaved will be over because there will be no unsaved people in heaven there will be no lost people in heaven, only people who made their calling and election sure. And there will be nobody in heaven that needs to hear the gospel. Would it not break your heart to know that you would never see that person again if you died right now and had not shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them?
You see, today we are being called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We are called to share the good news and the words of God. We are called to reach out to those around them, around us and say, you need to give your life to God right now because it's almost time to put down our pencils and we don't know when we're going to be judged and we don't know when the exam is going to be given. And because I love you, not because I think I'm better than you, not because I think I know more than you, not because there is any sense of, of, of elevation above you, but simply because we know the terror of the Lord, because we know the righteousness of his judgment. We love you and we want you to be in eternity with God. We don't want you to lose out with God. You, say, you may say, Pastor, I just wish you would preach anything but this. And I'll tell you why you feel that way. Because you know you're not passing the test. You know if the buzzard were to sound right now, you know you would not be in eternity with God. And I can't dance one more time today until I know that I've done my part to reach out to you through the love and the severity of God's mercy and say today is the day to get right with God. Because I don't know how long we have. Amen. You may say, my Lord, pastor's reaching for the sinner. Yes, I'm reaching for myself. I'm reaching for anybody that's wrapped in flesh. Because we got to make sure that we are right with God. We cannot afford to go into eternity on a chance. Would you lift your hands and begin to pray? I feel the Holy Ghost moving. Come on, I feel him moving in this place. You feel that right now? Amen. It, it, it feels like a somberness in this place right now. My God, we have felt the love of God. We have felt the peace of God. We have felt the joy of God. We have felt all of the freedom of God. But every once in a while, we need God to allow us to feel his severity and his righteousness. Amen. And I'm praying right now that you can feel the mercy and the severity of God. For it is a fearful thing that sinners would fall into the hands of an angry God. I've come to stand behind this sacred desk and tell you, God loves you but he can't tolerate sin in eternity. You've got to make your calling and election sure this morning. That's it. Just reach out to him right now. Come on, that's it. Just begin to pray, saints. Begin to pray with the fervor of eternity hanging in the balance. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not, I would to God that I could. If I could scare you out of hell, I would. If I could shake you out of it, I would. Amen, but I can't do anything you won't allow God to do in your life. Amen, I can't do anything to you you won't allow God to do because he's a righteous God and he's a gentle God. He's not gonna force his will upon you. You, you may say, Pastor, you're trying to tell me I'm gonna die. No, I'm telling you we're all gonna die if the 
Lord doesn't come back to take us away. And every one of us are going to stand before the great white throne judgment. And all of us are going to be judged according to the works of our life. And it ought to be a fearful thing to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Amen. To say, yes, I know I'm saved. Yes, I know I'm right with God. But it ought to make us examine ourselves and say, Lord, I want to be right with you. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving. I want you to stand with me, the presence of God. I'm about to open these altars. I want you to pray where you are right now. I'm gonna open these altars in just a moment. You may say, well, pastor, can't we pray where we are? Absolutely, amen, but there's something about a statement of faith, of a physical movement forward toward God. Amen, I was, I was prepping for this sermon this morning, and I kept thinking about the old words, amen, from the song of the whinings, where he said, Jesus said, here I stand. Won't you please let me in? And you said, I will tomorrow. Jesus said, I am he who supplies all your needs. And you said, I know, but tomorrow. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands as the words of this old song plays for just a moment. Because he's speaking to you right now. speaking to you right now. Come on, lift those hands. Lift those hands and continue to pray. He's speaking right now. Jesus said, here I stand. Hallelujah. He's giving you an opportunity right now. He's giving you a chance right now. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know right now. Tomorrow, Jesus said, I am supplies all your needs and you said I know but tomorrow tomorrow I'll give my life tomorrow I thought about today
beautiful cry of prayer right now. The presence of God is in this place. He's reaching for you right now. I'm going to make my heart right with God. Oh, that's it, First Church. Continue to lift that voice and pray. There's a drawing near to God right now. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. That's it. Pray. Reach out to him right now. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about anybody else in this place. I wouldn't worry about anything else that's happening this week. But just turn your heart toward God right now. There's an old-fashioned repentance service. This is an old-fashioned conviction service where the call of Calvary is drawing us. The call of Christ is drawing us. of God. You're feeling a passion to make disciples. That's of God. He's stirring that in you right now because eternity's being realized. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.